Hey guys, Karen Swain here. Well, I've turned up this morning to do a show with the fabulous David Kennett. But he's over there in Western Australia about the land and about being guided by the David Kingdom and using uh, divining to find water and, and all sorts of delicious things. But he's had these huge storms over there in Western Australia, which has knocked out the internet. So he called me this morning and said, can't do it, babe. So hopefully we can do it tomorrow and I'll get a show out this week with a guest teacher. But this is always an opportunity to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> my guides have said to me, oh, like for about 10 or 15 years, do this. And I always avoid it. But, you know, I put my, put my lips on this morning, got my makeup on. So I thought, why waste good, good makeup? I'll get on and talk to you. Anyway, there's lots of things to talk about. And like when I do the newsletters, you know, I think about what am I going to talk about? And I'm going to talk about what's coming up in my life at the moment. And I think that all of you will relate. As you know, I'm a teacher who, of deliberate creation. So I teach people about being deliberate and how they create their reality. And a lot of people think that creating their reality is about creating the life around them. But when you think about it, our reality is only how we respond to what we're perceiving that we're experiencing. It's really not what's happening. It's how we respond or react to life. And this is what is at the crux of deliberate creation. I've said this many times on the show and in the Inner Sanctum. Fabulous Wayne Dyer who left his bodily form a few years ago used to say and I remember when I first heard him say this I used to scratch my head and go oh, I don't really like that analogy but as I've sort of thought more about it I get it he says that if you squeeze an orange what comes out is orange juice and if you squeeze a human what comes out is what's inside them so that means that how we're responding to life is about what is inside us and for the most part, what is inside us is a whole bunch of conditioned, habitual thought programs, which start even before we're born. You know, we come into this world as these genius, brilliant creators, an aspect, uh, an extension, a hologram, a piece of the divine source of infinite potential, infinite creative intelligence, potential oh we are amazing so we come into these physical bodies we squeeze all that amazing brilliantness into these tiny baby bodies and from the get-go we get programmed with who we are and how we're supposed to live in this life and then life happens <laughs> to wake us up something happens to wake us up you know we've been discussing in the inner sanctum my generation and generations before me and a few under me are usually having a spiritual awakening through some traumatic experience. So the death of a loved one or maybe being beaten up or life has beaten you up or someone's beaten you up. You know, for me, it was all of it. Like I had this such a dysfunctional family. Dad was beating me up. Mum was screaming and yelling. She gets sick and dies. None of us talk to each other in the family. There's just like I'm marinating in hatred, just marinating in resentment and hatred 
until I started scratching my head going, oh, look at all these crazy people hating each other. There's got to be more to life than just um, meeting life with hatred. So they were the perfect family for my awakening, really. But the younger generation are waking up because they want to. Not all of them. Some of them meet extraordinarily trying circumstances. But some of them just have this inner calling that is so loud within them that they just listen to it. And so we don't have to go through dramas to awaken to our amazing potential as spiritual beings having a human experience. But when we do hit the drama, what happens is, as Wayne would say, if you squeeze an orange, what comes out is orange juice. When we get squeezed, what comes out is what's inside us. And usually what comes out is what's most present or most dominantly inside us. So it's like the thought form that is running our life. And this is how it looks. Life happens, good or bad, you respond. You respond with love and joy, that's what's inside you. You respond with anger and upset, that's what's inside you. So every time you hit a negative emotion, it is your guidance system. It's pointing. It's pointing at a belief, a subconscious programmed belief that is running your life. So recently a friend of mine's mother died. She lives overseas, but she's out here. She's been out here for the last few months looking after her mother as she's taken her transition. She was in her 90s. She lived a fabulous life. And so she's here. We've been communicating on Facebook. Turns out, I said something to her during her father's funeral, which was about 10 years ago, maybe eight, that she got upset about. And she sat on that for a good eight or 10 years, never said anything to me, and then sent me an email and said, if you come to my mother's funeral, please don't react the way you did at my father's funeral. It really upset me. And I thought to myself, what did I say? And it was something that she didn't understand. And she said, who were you talking to that I said to her? And I didn't really understand it either. So what's fascinated me is this is a lifelong friend. We've known each other since we were children. Something's been said. It's upset her. She's not spoken about it. Stuffed it back down. Got on with her life. And then when the same circumstance comes up, like the death of someone, so does that anger that she felt with me 10 years ago. And this is what we do as a human populace. Something happens, we respond to it in a negative way, and instead of dealing with it, we stuff it down. We make excuses about it. It doesn't mean that you transform it. Just because you're polite and happy, someone says something to anger you. You smile at them sweetly, you say, that's okay, but you're really upset. So you stuff down these emotions or you tolerate them, like you tolerate your family or you tolerate your friends. You get upset, but instead of dealing with it, you don't necessarily have to deal with it with them. You can say to them, you said something that upset me, and then have a conversation about that. But usually when people upset you, they're not in a position to help you overcome your negative habitual thought patterns. So you either go to a healer, therapist, or someone else to help you, or you can use the tools that I'm giving you right now to look at yourself. When you're upset, it doesn't really matter what's happening. 
remember the last conversation I did, the blame game. Stop blaming the people outside of you, regardless of how heinous or hideous they might be. Your upset is because of what lives in you. It has nothing to do with what's happening outside you. And when you deal with what lives in you, you can meet any circumstance with compassion and understanding and ultimately love and joy. And wouldn't that be a freer way of living in this world? So next time you feel upset with what somebody says or even when you're surfing on the internet and you're looking at heinous things that you have a right to be upset about, like I have a right, this, is, this, is, this shouldn't be happening in our world, this is just like not acceptable. Just have a look at what belief you're holding that's not acceptable. Have a look at why you feel upset about it. This is what I do with myself all the time. It doesn't mean that at this stage I meet every challenge with understanding love and joy. I meet some challenges with oh, oh, confusion and upset. And then when I'm in that place of confusion and upset, I ask myself, what lives in me that's creating this response? And sometimes it takes a while to find it. A while. I remember years ago when I broke up uh, for the first time with my second husband and I was really, really upset. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a failure, it's my second husband, I can't get it together. And really I thought the dominant thought was, I want my husband back, I want my husband back, I want my husband back. And I thought that in getting my husband back would alleviate the pain that I felt. And I, I was living up on the northern beaches and a girlfriend that I went to school with came up to see me. She hadn't seen me for years, but she knew how upset I was. And we were having a walk one day and she said to me, Shwaini, you kind of never really get upset about anything like this. Why this time? You've broken up with husbands before. Why are you so upset this time? And I had to stop and think and go, well, she's really right. You know, dad's beaten me up. Mum's died. I've been divorced before. Lots of crap's happened. And I've kind of dealt with it and got on with it. But this one really knocked me for a loop. I've been, you know, separated from loves before. Why am I so upset? So it made me dig deeper. I was thinking, I'm upset because my husband's left and I want him back. And I, and I kept doing the work with Byron Katie. Is it true? My husband's left. Yes. Can I absolutely say it's true? You know, I like the work with Byron Katie. And it wasn't working. <laughs> and I love the work, you know, and I do it with my clients. But what I found... I had to find the thing that was living inside me that was being squeezed and coming out and that was I'm a failure. That's what was upsetting me. And then when I believed that stressful thought, I'm a failure, I believed I couldn't help anybody. Oh, I'm going to get upset now <laughs> because I'm here on this planet to help people or at least to raise consciousness. And so why I was so upset, you can see it's still inside me, why I was so upset was if I couldn't do what I came to do, life wasn't worth living. And that's what upset me. But I was masking it with my husband left and that's upsetting me. So I had to really look at all the ways that I thought I was a failure. And that was deep. <laughs> that was deep. I'm watching my beautiful 
a happy, delicious daughter go through a similar thing. She's just done a personal growth course because as many of you know, <laughs> when you're a spiritual teacher, sometimes when you have these, you know, strongly independent children, they don't want to hear it from you. They've got to find out their own way, you know, what's going on for them. So she's discovered that she holds that same belief. I'm not good enough and I'm a failure. And I have to say, you know, I married her dad and I was holding this belief about not being good enough and being a failure. And the two of us met. We fell madly in love. We were both happy, joyous, um, outgoing people who came from a similar background. It looked like a match made in heaven. I'll tell you what the match made in heaven was. Two people that be believed that they were not good enough and a failure coming together to work it out, like to reflect back to each other this belief that was driving us. It was hard because as I watched him fail and fail and fail, I remember even dating him. He was making me a cup of tea one day and he was really nervous. You know when you get nervous when you're on dates? And he kind of dropped the cup of tea and smashed it everywhere. And I remember thinking, he's kind of even engaging in this failure thing, just making a cup of tea. And this I'm a failure and not good enough is running his life. You know, his father was really brilliant and told him a lot that he was stupid and he'd never amount to anything. <laughs> and, you know, my poor old ex-husband believed it. I don't know where my failure came from. I think my dad said the same. I think my dad was really intelligent and um, he constantly told us we were not, that we would fail if we weren't intelligent. He was into logic and science and I'm this totally empathic, creative being who can't read or write. So I'm living on psychic ability, not my intellect. But in his world, this is failing. Actually, in the mainstream world, when you're psychic and empathic and you're not the, you know, the intelligent scholastic student, you are considered a failure. So that ran me for many years. So here I am in my mid-40s, I think, then. Yeah, about mid-40s, late 40s. My second husband's left me and that belief that had been driving my life came up. As I said, I was squeezed and that's what came out of me. So bless him for leaving and bless me for being so upset because otherwise I would never have really seen it and then dealt with it. And I did a whole lot of work on myself about being a failure. You know, because you've had divorce, does that mean you're a failure? Because anything's happened to you, does that mean you're a failure? Look at, uh, what's her name, Elizabeth Taylor, she had eight divorces, was she a failure? Because anything has happened to you, does that mean you're a failure? No. Life happens and it teaches us. So you can never fail. You can either learn or learn. <laughs> There's only two choices. Life will happen and you learn and learn or you learn or you don't learn so next time you feel upset pissed off with somebody pissed off with the world maybe you look out at the cabal or the evil aliens like you think the reptilians are coming you know whatever story that you come up with and you get upset about it it could be personal it could be about your society it could be about your country the political situation be about the planet, could be about the universe. All upset points to 
spiritual belief that you hold within you. So there's a couple of ways to overcome the conditioned, uh, habitual, limited programs that we are all conditioned with through our family and school systems and ultimately a media system which is pumping out fear-based messages on a regular basis. And that is finding the truth of who you are, which is your true being, which is what I talk about a lot on the show. That's why I put near-death experiences, people on the show, channelers on the show, psychics, extraterrestrial contactees. You can find that connection to your true being, which this is this stream, this presence of unconditional, pure positive energy, call it love, call it super intelligence, it doesn't really matter what you call it, and you can embody more of that. And believe you me, when you do start to embody more of that, all those things inside you that are not a vibrational match to that will come up to be looked at and let go. Or you can deal with it on a moment-to-moment basis. So you can just bip along through life and then life is going to happen to you and you're going to respond to it. And when you respond with peace and understanding and joy and love, you know that you're embodying more your true self. But if you're responding to life with upset or anger or rage, then you know that (laughs) there's something that's living within you. Excuse me. (laughs) There's something that's living within you that's driving your life and colouring how you see the world and how you respond or react to the world. And this is your opportunity to look at it. Every time you're upset is an opportunity to look at what you're believing to be true. And that's why I love the work of Byron Katie. We go through life with these truths as if it's really true and what she does is she gets you to question it. So in regards to what's happened with my girlfriend, in her reality, I said something that upset her. Is it true that I said something to upset her? In her reality, yes. How could I say something to upset her at a funeral? So I'm just not going to speak to that person for 10 years or maybe never because you said something to upset me. (laughs) And if she really looked at who I am, Why would I deliberately come up to someone at a funeral and say something to upset you? Somebody said to me that grief is a funny thing, that you are in this really raw place during this grief process. And in this raw place, all those programmed beliefs kind of are bubbling away. Grief is a great way of experiencing them. And this is where a lot of misunderstandings happen in families. After a parent dies or a sibling dies, you know, that all those negative programs are sort of bubbling just under the surface and they're really accessible. And misunderstandings happen all over the place and people stop talking to each other. I remember my family, they're all gone now. The generation above me, my auntie, who was the last of them, died a few weeks ago in her 80s, late 80s. They came from a very privileged family. Parents were amazing. And they all hated each other. (laughs) My father didn't speak to his brother for 30 years and his sister for many, many years. And I remember a few years before Dad died, we went out on a boat 
and his sister was in town, the one, the auntie that just died. And I sat there watching the two of them talk about their childhood. So these two, they were in their, oh, I suppose they were in, well, dad died at 75, so they are in their 70s at this stage. And I was sitting there, I guess I was in my 40s somewhere, I can't remember, and I'm watching these two talk about their childhood, like, and really seeing the brother and sister that they hadn't been for like 30, 40 years. They'd been these two adults that had different opinions, that didn't talk to each other. They lived in other sides of the planet. My auntie lived overseas for a long time. And my, his, his brother had died. And I just remember thinking, wow, what does it take to forgive each other and have some sort of relationship with the ones you love? Like, what does it take? Does it have to take a diagnosis? He was diagnosed at that time. And the doctor said, you're not going to live. Does it have to take a diagnosis? Or can it just take... I want to be connected to the people in my life. I want to feel more connected. You know, in the spiritual community, we talk about unity and love all the time. If you're not feeling unified with the people that you've chosen to come in as family, then you're really not walking the talk, so to speak, or learning the lessons of what unity is. Unity is not about feeling unified and loving towards all those people that think like you do. That's easy. I have a lot of people that tell me online, there's no one around me that thinks like me. You know, I feel so isolated and alone, especially in America. I think that's really changing now, especially with the internet. You can find people. But if you don't feel unified with the people that you work with or the people that you're related with, then you're not really embodying what it is to be a spiritual being having a physical experience. I think we should come together in our groups online or in physical or in person to remember that, to remember we are the love that we speak about. We are the intelligence, the infinite intelligence. We are the understanding. We are the compassion. You know, we are the guru that we look at, that we listen to on the YouTube channels, that we revere. We are that come together in our groups to remind each other that we are that then go back out into life and be that and live that easy to say not so easy to do but you know we came to this world it's a challenge because we knew we were up for the challenge we knew that we are infinitely genius creators we're creating how we think and feel in every moment. And ultimately, when we think and feel in alignment with our true self, then life becomes this flow, this expanded flow of synchro destiny, of synchronicity, one after the other. It's like the river or the stream of life, that stream of pure positive energy, takes you wherever you want to go effortlessly easily the battle stops because ultimately the battle that you have in your life is the battle with yourself it's the battle with your ego or it's the battle with the programmed thoughts and when you embody more of your true nature that understanding and love and awareness that awareness of who you are and awareness of who others are then life becomes this beautiful dance 
this beautiful flow of ecstatic bliss. It really does. <laughs> Most of the time, that's how I live. And then I have old school friends email me and say, I'm upset with you. How do I meet that? Do I meet that with understanding? Or do I meet it with, well, you shouldn't be upset with me. I didn't mean to say that. You know, it's a choice. It's a choice. And whenever anybody is upset with you, they're just visiting those insecurities inside them or those conditioned programmer thoughts. And so we have to have compassion because we all have them. I don't think any of us live in this world without them. And when we have compassion for another who's holding a limiting thought, we can have compassion for ourselves. And in that compassion and love, we can heal it. We can heal it for us. We can heal it for the world. So thanks again for listening. If you need some help finding those limiting thoughts, a lot of people come to me for psychic advice. They want to get more in contact with your guides. And believe you me, I love doing that. I get people connected really quickly. But if there's only one thought that holds you from that connection, and that's the thought that you don't have it. Again, it's a limiting thought. We all come into this world connected to who we are, our true self, our divine nature, our higher self, and we all have many spiritual guides standing on the sidelines, as Judy said in the last, uh, Judy Carroll, the Zeta message said in the last podcast I did, cheering us on. <laughs> you know, guides can't get in there and do it for us, but they stand on the sidelines, this is her analogy, like in a football match or a soccer match, like a coach, and cheers you on. And we all have many spiritual beings doing that. Some of them we've been related to, some of them have been our physical friends or family, and some have not. Some are us, some are us in a higher dimension or in a, in another, on another timeline. And some are the ascended masters and some are the angelic realm and some are the Davic realm. It really depends what you're doing with your life, who comes to meet you to help you do that. So when you let go of these conditioned program thoughts that tell yourself that you can't or that you're not good enough, you have ultimate access to them. And to that guidance and then when you have that access you can help others have that access too and that's what a teacher does they learn from their own life and then they extend that knowledge to others and that's what I did with my life as I learned to let go of some of those thought forms I gained more awareness to my spiritual guides and to myself as my true nature and it's a beautiful ride it really is thanks again for listening Hopefully we'll have David on tomorrow. If not, we'll get him on another time when the internet gets back on to talk about how he communicates with the spirit of the land and finds water and regenerates these arid places on earth. Fascinating. I can't wait to have that conversation with David. And then Michael Tamora is coming back on the show. You know, one of my favorites, just such a masterful teacher. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about with Michael, but we'll find something to talk about if you've got any questions for him. Just go to uh, YouTube and pop it um, on the comments or go to my Facebook page or go into the Facebook group, the Awakening Empowerment Network on Facebook and pop your questions in there. 
or if you want to meet me face to face and some of the teachers that I've got coming into the Inner Sanctum this year, you can join our online group, the Inner Sanctum. We had, we've got two teachers coming up this month in March. I've just had a conversation with Peter Panamore, who I had on the show, Panagore, sorry. He's going to come in in a couple of weeks and chat to us. And then Zane Daniels, the awakener, the activator, bring your crystals. He talks to your crystals and activates your crystals and awakens your crystals and oh, lots of things. So it's all good. And if you need any help, you know, navigating those thought forms and finding more connection to your true nature, come and have a private session with me. Love you all.